Hello and welcome to another episode of Rusted Junk. We will be looking at the 1989 film, I didn't say classic, 1989 film Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Terry Hatcher, Jack Palance, Brian James. There's loads in this. I was about to say Stallone and Russell, what's not to like? But I've got a sneaking feeling that uh, Amanda's not going to like this one, but we'll find out in a moment anyway. Here's the trailer. I'll tell you one thing. Whoever set us up is really connected. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Relax. Soap. And don't flatter yourself. Meet Ray Tango. He likes money. Easy Kong. Easy go. But doesn't bother with cash. Meet Gabe Cash. He won't dance around trouble and doesn't mind stepping on toes. I hate you karate guys. Two of L.A.'s top rival cops are having a good time staying in rhythm. You know me, huh? Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in L.A. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. But they're going to have to work together, even if it kills them. Right now! We'll take it. No. That's one of a kind. We won't put a scratch on it. Did you sleep with my sister? I was so drunk, I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. <laughs> Tango and Cash. I thought that was a pretty uninspiring trailer, to be honest. It didn't do a lot, did it? Really? It doesn't. It didn't reflect the the action in this film. We might not agree on a lot of things on this podcast, but it's got action. Yeah, it was more like the the comedy quips, wasn't it, in the uh, trailer? Yes, and I think the I think the writing is. Uh, I think the writing's good. I think there's some good good scenes in it. It's but, okay. Uh, the banter's all right. Yeah, the banter. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. that. I think that's what I remember about this film. But do you know what? Let's get straight into it. <laughs> so what did you think? Um, cheesy, predictable, <laughs> um, but in parts enjoyable. Okay. Um, I wasn't I expecting was, that. Okay. I, I felt it was trying to be lethal weapon. It's a poor man's lethal weapon, really, Ooh. for me. Um. Just watch it without taking it seriously, because I was like thinking, mm, "Well, that wouldn't happen. Mm, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen." And it's like, "Oh, just give up, man, and just accept it. It's a, a cheesy sort of cop caper um, with some funny banter in it." Um, sorry, sorry. You realise we do eighties films here. I mean, you know, improbability and things that couldn't happen in real life is pretty much well, part yeah. of the course. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But um, I think I just got a bit fed up with kind of like, well, that wouldn't happen. I even started saying to you, didn't I? Well, that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's kind of where I guess the you made a quip today, and I can't remember what it was, but it's something like, oh well, could be any could be any worse than Tango and Cash. And I went, oh, here I'm going. This <laughs> is going to be pretty. It's not going to look good. <laughs> okay. So go on then. What's your score? It's a six. I I I'm truly taken aback with that. Why? 
Because I thought it'd be a four. I thought you'd be going. Well, it's not worse than Howard the Duck, and that was a five and a half. <laughs> Howard the Duck's better than this. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. So uh, wait no. a minute. Are you going to use... watch this again? I wouldn't watch Howard the Duck again. What? What? Uh, it's an above <laughs> average film, according to you. Anyway, right. What? It's above average film, according to you. It's a six. It's a just in. No, I meant Howard the Duck. But yeah, this is. Uh... Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I this one is a rose tinted spectacles one for me. Ah. Okay. Previously, I would have given it. I, I would have thought it's a seven and a half. Um. Very rare this happens, but I'm going to sit with you at six. Ooh, wow. Because yeah. there are good part. There are good parts of this film, but it's not. It doesn't, and not not because certain scenes were in it and they weren't hold up today, and you know people looking at it with today's eyes. We should get a a statement for that. We should have a like a thing that when people look go back and look at it, we'll get to the scene that most people these days would probably have a problem with, and certainly Kurt Russell will be cancelled <laughs> at this point. Um, I always get the feeling that we should never do films like this because. The moment that we see something and we talk about it and some random person clicks on our podcast and then goes, I had no idea. Dear Netflix, I am outraged that Tango and Cash is on this format. And if we don't issue a a statement beforehand, then I shall tell three of my friends and we'll cancel. So something like that. So anyway, but we'll get to it. But yeah, it's six. A six. Yeah. The banter's good. I think the writing's good. And I think the action's good, but it's just something missing. It's predictable. And I think the villain, I don't think his character is really given the opportunity to do stuff. It's just very textbook. Which villain? Very bland. I mean, there's three of them here. Eh? I mean, which villain? There's three of them here. No, they've got the boss, the lead Well, guy. you've got the boss and then you've got the two guys underneath. Yeah, oh, God, the guy underneath with his dodgy Cockney accent. Yeah. The guy with the ponytail. That was yeah. all that was. Hmm. Um, well. Hmm. Well, do you know what? I think we've got a fair bit to discuss. So I'll go into the synopsis of the film after Roll Call. But why don't we do Roll Call? Should we do Roll Call? I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, sorry, what did I just say? Roll Roll Call. Roll Call? Roll Roll Roll, roll Call. Roll call. Roll call. It sounds like... Let's get on with it. it. sounds like a dog. Roll, roll call. Right. Anyway, here's roll call. Roll call. So, <laughs> mind you sniggering. Um, Stallone. Mm. We've, done, we've done Stallone when we did Rocky Four. Yeah, I must say, though, um, I reckon he'd had a little bit of plastic surgery because you could see, like... Um, on the uh, on the ear part, just just before the ear, it's got like a bit of a line thing going on. So he'd obviously had a little bit of a, a tuck and a lift thing, but he didn't look quite too shabby, really, in this film. So you thought he would look better than Kurt Russell? Uh, well, I'm not, I, to be honest, I'm not really a Stallone or a Kurt Russell kind of girl, um, so. I'm not really into the sort of long female hair thing. So no Mel anyway. Gibson either? No. Right, okay. 
No. Um, no John Parr. So, who? St. Elmo's Fire. Never watched it. Okay. So, but no. No, the sing- he sings St. Elmo's Fire. Oh. I don't okay. think he's in no, it. No, definitely not. He might not be then. in it. He might be at no. the bar, like extra number three or something. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Muppet. You weren't a Stallone or a Russell um, admirer. No, but, okay. you know, give him his juice. Sly looks quite uh, um, stylish in this film. So He did. Uh, he, did. He, he very much did. He did, yeah. Um. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I like both of them in this film. Mm. I think they play off each other well. That's why I think the writing, the writing works. It's, 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 we will get to it. There's a huge chunk that's, that's wrong. And I think when we talk about it, we might find out what those, where those four marks went. The, it was the, never going to be 10 out of minute, 10. Minute two to mm, minute 103. What? What are you on about? A bit where it went wrong. <laughs> well, you give it six. So, uh, you know. I know. I'm just... Mosquito Coast, this ain't. Um, well, Stallone and Kurt Russell have been in a film before. Hmm? I didn't okay. get it. Uh, and you've watched it. And we've watched it as a family. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, we've watched it as a family. It's a Marvel film. It's not Judge Dredd or anything, is it? Well, if Judge Dredd was not 2000 AD and was Marvel, then yeah, maybe, but it isn't. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, a Marvel film. Yeah. Anyway, for the listeners, uh, especially if people run to the sound of our voice, they've just stopped because uh, there was a big gap. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Stallone and they're not in the scene together. They play separate characters, but they're in the film together. They're also going to be uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Expendables 4. Kurt Russell finally makes his appearance. He got invited to be in the second Expendables, I believe. Uh, Refused to, so they got Bruce Willis to do it instead. That must be a really crappy thing for Bruce Willis to hear. Yeah, you were behind Kurt Russell, of which I would expect Bruce Willis to go, um, hello, have you seen Die Hard? I mean, you know, that pretty much gets me an all-access laminate anywhere I want to go. But anyway, Stallone, Rockin' Rambo. Uh, most recently, he was King Shark in The uh, the Suicide Squad. Um, but I saw an interview of him uh, where he's, talk- he's talking about Tango and Cash. But he's going, oh, my next film, I can't wait because it's going to be such a diversion away from, from what I want. And he played the a boss of a crime family, but it was all for laughs. It was like slapstick vaudeville style thing called Oscar. I do mm-hmm. advise people to go and just be mildly curious if it ever comes on. I mean, if it ever does, um, Amazon and Netflix. It's an odd film, but I do remember it. I remember it being bad, but I remember parts of it were good. There you go. How about that for a 10-second review? It, if that doesn't them. get you racing for to go and check it right bad. now, pause the podcast, go check it's on there. Spoiler alert, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Kurt Russell. Do you want to name me a film that we've done with Kurt Russell? 
Tick. Oh, was he Snake Plissken? I I, I wasn't even expecting the name. Just a film would have done, but... Escape from New York? New York, yes. He did Escape from New York, um, which he didn't like and I thought was okay. That Um, was another rose-tinted one, I reckon. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it wasn't as good as... Maybe it's just that they don't stand the test of time. Well, but some some do and some don't. Summer Rental stands the test of time because it's just fun. Yeah. Escape from New York should work on every single level and it didn't. Maybe it's just yeah, I don't know. Is it action and it's not it's not you, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's not them, it's us. I I must stop snorting when I laugh. Oh that's all right. I think listeners are endearing you know, to find it endearing. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think snorty pig noises are endearing, are they? Well I don't know what people think are in, think is endearing and isn't. So, okay. By all means, get in contact if you listen to this and saying, "Oh yes, more snorty pig, please." It means I've got to make a laugh more. It's tough. Uh, it's a big ask. Um, we've also got, uh, of course, you cannot mention Kurt Russell without saying the Holding absolute on. classic, oh. "The Thing," which is just what thing? The thing, the film. The Thing is the title of the film. Oh, okay. You can tell I haven't seen that then. Yeah, well, you never would watch it because, oh, it might get me a bit scared and I might not get to sleep at night. Good Lord. Yeah, because, yeah, we're A, we're in the Antarctic and B, yeah, there's a crashed UFO nearby. But apart from that, yeah, everything matches up. Um, you can anyway. be so mean sometimes. Okay, <laughs> a little bit. Big Trouble in Little China. He played the second best white herb on... Uh, in movies, which came out roughly about the same time. Um, I'm just about nearly finished Wyatt Earp with Kevin Costner. I much prefer that. I'm sorry, that's heresy. But Kevin Costner's just better in every way. Um, so, yes, that's Tombstone. He's also in a film called Breakdown. I know we discussed that. Really go and check that out. It's one of those pointless answers that you would never know Kurt Russell was in. But such a good film. Uh, Tarantino nicked him uh, for Death Proof where he played the stuntman and he was also in the hateful eight. Uh, we've got uh, guardians of the galaxy and more recently he played Santa Claus in the Christmas Chronicles. Um, and then the Christmas Chronicles do. Oh, I was just about to say that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Number two is not that good. I don't know. I didn't really watch it. I, it wasn't, you know, I've got, I watched I've, it with Amy. It stacks up, you know, when it comes to, there's a line of films that you have to watch every Christmas and it's got to be something in order to make that that list every year. I mean, I haven't missed It's a Wonderful Life this year, probably for the first time ever. I didn't watch it at Christmas. It's ridiculous. Um, anyway, let's go to Terry Hatcher, a very young mm. Terry Hatcher. She's very young. She is very young. What's she famous for? Um, Lois Lane. Lois Lane in The New Adventures of Superman, which is an excellent series. With Dean Kane. That's right. I used to fancy him. Well, I can see why. Hmm. Yeah. Not as not as Superman as Clark Kent. Yeah, because he had that unassuming Clark Kent thing going on Mm, with the glasses. Okay, I think he made a good Superman personally. But um, uh, anyway, she was in a film called Two Days in the Valley, which I'm going to ask you to check out. Um, She was Paris Carver 
in Tomorrow Never Dies. So yes, the Bond girl she can claim to, to claim to be. Um, she's also uh, been in Supergirl, the new series, but I stopped watching that because it's far too woke. So I just gave up. It was just boring in the end. I just thought, okay, this is not for me. I'm not their audience anymore. Despite the fact that what, what I'm a middle-aged white male with disposable income. Yes, I'm entirely your audience because I remember the Supergirl from the 1980s. I remember Helen Slater. So yes, you could have had my money. You're not getting it. Um, but she's also famous for Desperate Housewives. I never watched, really watched that. Did you? I saw a bit of it. I, well, it wasn't something that I would go out of my way to watch, but it, if it was on, I might flick on the channel. It's the kind of thing that you, would, that, that you would watch, though. What, what are you saying? Card, you know, Kardashians, Place in the Sun, all of the Bobbins TVs. Don't like watch Kardashians. Sun, in Sunset. We used to. Oh, God. Only because I was suffering depression and, like, it was just escapism. <laughs> Did that help you? Get, uh, that help you out? It was just something to watch on telly. Okay, so's that dot that when you turn it off and you can see the dot in the TV. Both no, of them. That, that, that indicates them to me the that I'm level. getting a, a visual migraine if I start to see a, a bright dot in the in the center of my eyes. Yeah, it's still it's still better than watching the Kardashians. But anyway, right, next one, Jack Palance. Who he? Um. Oh. I can't remember. This. I should have Googled the story. Jack Palance plays the bad guy. Which one? Uh, the, the main one. With one. the ponytail? No, the main guy. The head Oh, part, the older guy. Bus. Yeah. Yeah, the one that they didn't really give him much to do. Well, he died in 1987. Uh, uh, sorry, he died. He can't have done, cause sorry, no, no. He died in 1987. Uh, he died in 1987 in 2006. Um Looking up his, his things, he's kind of like like westerns. He's a lot of westerns as you would expect. He was in a, a a show which should have been big, but I've never heard of it called The Greatest Show on Earth. Back in the sixties and seventies, uh, he played Gus Grissom in the uh, uh, Tim Burton Batman film uh, that Jack Napier, i.e., Joker, Jack Nicholson kills. Uh, spoiler alert! But if you haven't seen it now, it was only what twenty three. 33 years ago. So, yeah, you really should have seen it by now. <laughs> um, uh, he was in Young Guns. He was probably uh, best known for, um, as to, to later audiences, as uh, Curly in City Slickers with Billy Crystal, where they all go off to the ranch to find themselves. You've also got Daniel Stern in that as well, which is a nice favourite of the podcast, who pops up now and again in, in films. Um, and then played Duke, is because Curly dies in City Slickers again. Sorry, no spoiler. No, 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 no. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, but he plays his brother Duke in City Slickers too, and he's very good. I've I remember him in the ninety. I remember him at the nineteen ninety two Oscars. He did. Um, he came out and he did. People were saying, "Oh, you know, like you passed it and and all this sort of thing." And I remember him doing one arm press ups on the stage. To prove what? I don't know, that, that he wasn't past it. And I'm like thinking, you're a big lad. That's probably, uh, I mean, not big, it's tall. But that's pretty good for someone who would have been, what, 92, so take 20, 24 off. Yeah, it'd have been 50, late, late 50s. It's pretty good. Can you do one-arm press-ups? Yes, I can. Of course I can. Like proper ones, not like 
Oh, what I, could, I could do like then. improper ones if you want as well. What's an improper one arm press up? Is that like a half arm press yeah, up? Yeah, you only like go sort of like, you know, a little way down and then back up again. Oh, like yours, you mean? Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm not very good at press ups. I okay. never have been. Right. Um, ponytail guy with the really bad accent. The really bad Cockney accent. Uh, is he actually American? Yes, of course he is. Right, it's, okay. It's Brian James. A really, really bad, awfully bad. It's horrible. Cockney accent. I not couldn't as, even work out what he was saying when he first started to talk. However, not as bad. Let's let's be fair here. Not as bad as Don Cheadle in, uh, uh, in Ocean's Eleven, which is possibly the worst accent I've ever heard. Or Patsy Kenzie in Lethal Weapon. Oh, come on. That was all right. It was awful. She was, was supposed uh, to be South African. She uh, did, it went she did, all over uh, the place. She did a really good South African accent. She she even sounded a little bit like she'd got an Indian accent and then a Welsh accent, and then it just like faded away. Yeah, and like the rest, I of the won't film, have it that. Just, I, will, like, I will not have a word said went. against *Lethal Weapon* two, including the people, including the players. No, no way. Patsy Ken- I won't say it gets Patsy Kensett. Certainly not late 80s Patsy Kensett. No, no. Um, anyway, Brian James, who played the bad guy, the henchman. Um, he's famous for one thing, one thing only. He's Leon in Blade Runner. You know, I was speaking to somebody this week on Good an Lord. audit. Okay. And um, I had to show them, because obviously I was... I sit in that room and do the audits where you are. Yeah, but you don't have all of this gubbins in the background. I don't know because I have a customised background. Yeah. But it kept going in and out because the the chair was a bit funny and you kept seeing bits and bobs. And uh, anyway, I I relented uh, and and sort of said, you know, well, I do this podcast, da, 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 da. And uh, I said, you know, we've got stacks of 80s memorabilia behind me on the shelves. I said it. It doesn't look as good as it normally would because obviously we do it at night and it's all lit up and it looks great. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and he went, oh, I really want to see that. So I, I showed him and he was over the moon, absolutely over the moon. It was a oh. child born in the 80s, but absolutely loved 80s films. Obviously, I can't divulge any further no, information. Not, no. But um, yeah, it was actually really good. So we might like have a new listener. So, has this got a point to Blade Runner? Was that what? Yeah, he asked, uh, oh, well, God, have you done Blade Runner? I was like, no, it's one of those monumental films that we haven't quite um, approached yet. Did you tell him that I think I, I think I'll probably hate it because he probably will? Me? Yeah. I've seen it before. And what did you think? I thought it was all right. When's the last time you saw it? Um, I don't think I've watched it with you. So that must be about, well, we've been together 16 years this year. So I think you're in for a Tango and Cash-esque surprise. Oh, really? Well. Which one would you, which one would you recommend to watch? The original or the director's cut? Or... There's five cuts. I don't know. I'll, I'll Google oh. whichever the best one is. I'll, I'll Google whichever the one the director says watch. That's not necessarily the director's cut. I like, I like, without spoiling the film, I like the voiceover by Harrison Ford. Mm. I like that. Loads of people don't. I like yeah. Turtles. So watch all five and then we'll say, right, okay, which, which oh, one did God. you prefer? 
Or can you get like all five on the screen at the same time? I don't know. I bought it. It's downstairs. I did buy the final cut. It's downstairs. Anyway, right. So right, back on James Hong, who? who he is one of the he's one of the, uh, the the lesser bad guys in it. I forgot his name. Okay, who's but the inventor? Oh, that's Michael J. Pollard. Because I've seen him in something before, and I can't remember where it is. Right, he plays the to... same sort of character, doesn't he? Do you want me to tell it? Right, let's do Michael J. Pollard, and we'll go back to James Hong. Michael J. Pollard. Um, what you won't have seen him in. Roxanne with Steve Martin. Brilliant. I've seen Roxanne. Yeah, but you won't remember him in it. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get to the film. I think you're going to go, oh, it's him. Mm. Right? Dark Angel with Dolph Lundgren, which you won't do. Uh, but he's in that. Uh, he plays the rat catcher in Split Second with Rutger Hauer. While I was doing that, I was like going, how have we done this podcast and not hit Rutger Hauer? Not hit him. <laughs> no, I mean, not not found a film with. Why haven't we done The Hitcher? Wanted Dead or Alive. You know, I mean, anyway. The film I think you might, um, he, he uh, Michael J. Pollard actually died in 2019, aged 80. Um, I'm going to go for Scrooge. That's it. The guy, so he's he's there. He's one of the homeless guys that gets him to. Mm-hmm. And, and he ends up being iced, so he ends up being under the subway, and he ends up dying of hypothermia because he's he's iced up, and so he tries to save him. Yeah. Oh no, no, he's in Scrooge. Wait a minute, I'm thinking. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's the guy from the from the shelter, James Hong. James Hong is. I need somebody to play an Asian character in my film. Send for James Hong, says the director. So he's in Vice Versa, which I'm listening to on the other podcast I've listened to. It's very funny, probably funnier than the film. He was in The Golden Child, Bloodsport 2 and 3. They made a Bloodsport 2 and a Bloodsport 3. Yeah. Talk about straight to video. <laughs> I didn't even think they went straight to video. It was straight in the bin. Um, that was with uh, our friend Jean-Claude, was it? No, he wasn't back for that. Of course not. Oh. doesn't come back for... doesn't like sequels. Uh, he was in Wayne's World 2. He played um, Cassandra's father in Wayne's World 2, which uh, Wayne and Mike Myers has a, uh, a fight with but that, and does all the bad dubbing um, where they move their lips and it comes out differently. Uh, <laughs> Golden Child. Uh, Dookie Hauser, MD. Oh, yes. What a show. Uh, but also the voice of Mr. Ping in Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we've got Eddie Bunko, who's in Red Reservoir Dogs. I've forgotten who he played now. Mr. Brown, I believe. Um, and Roy Brocksmith, who's in Total Recall. And the other bad guy, the other henchman, he was in Total Recall as well. I just thought, there's no need to go into all of that. Let's just go into the film and let's do the film. I didn't realize there were so many henchmen. Well, it's it's gone henchman crazy. It has. It Can has. we move on a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's start with the description of the film, shall we? So it begins with Ray Tango stopping a truck, but the LA County authorities find 
only gasoline in the tank, but Tango shoots the tank and Kane pulls out the bullet hole. Meanwhile, Gabriel Cash, Kurt Russell, arrives at his apartment, shot by an intruder, but it's protected by a bulletproof vest, captures the shooter in a, in a parking garage and forces the shooter to tell him in the police station about a deal scheduled to take place that night. However, the deal is really a plan by Yves Perret, Jack Pallets, to frame Tango and Cash for murder. Tango and Cash separately go to an empty building, preceded by a man named Requin, Perret's lead henchman. After surprising each other, the two detectives find a dead man with audio equipment hidden under his clothing, and a team of FBI agents swarms in. Agent Wyler finds Cash's pistol on the floor and arrests both Tango and Cash. So what do you think to the opening of the film? Did you like that scene where he's just like got got his one his revolver and he's shooting at his truck? Did you like that? That's a bit far fetched, isn't it? Yeah. Well, welcome to <laughs> welcome to Tango and Cash. I was surprised actually that the 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 bulk of police cars that were chasing at the end afterwards uh, they didn't all crash into each other, which normally happens in the. There wasn't a lot of crashing police cars in this. There wasn't a lot of crashing police cars. No, there was other there was other vehicles being crashed, but no police cars. That's true. Yeah, really. Um, so no, it just seemed a little bit ugh, again cheesy. Um, Stallone doesn't deliver the line that I'd like him to deliver, and this is where the writing did get it wrong. One of the few times I say the writing got it wrong. The bit where he goes, oh, it's just gasoline in the truck. You made the wrong bust. It's not cocaine in here. He goes, oh, one of the cops says, well, who do you think you are, Rambo? No, he thinks he's Rambo. He thinks he's Rambo. Yeah, who's this guy? He thinks he's Rambo. And he goes, Rambo is a pussy. Mm. Oh, I come with a better line than that. What would you say then? Well, uh, okay. Uh, inserting words that are, that are different. Rambo, fudge him. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I mean, him. fudge him. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, like... Is, it, is he a muddy funster? Fudge Rambo. <laughs> Guy's a wiener. Or something like I don't know, something like that. But Rambo is a pussy. That's ridiculous. Um. We we have all of this, and we cut to Jack Palance. So we get the we get everyone set up really well. I think Jack Palance is menacing. I think he's menacing in this. You know, he's 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 got that, which is why I think he was picked for City Slickers. It's because Billy Crystal is gen, they're all genuinely afraid of him because he's this grizzled old you know guy that probably snapped them in two type thing. I think he plays, I think he's good as a crime boss, except for the end, but we'll get to that at the moment. Well, I don't, I don't actually rate him in this film. Really? No. I don't what, think the cool, he's... cool, calm, you know, collected, it's to me, it's to you know, that sort of... No? <laughs> are you, you alright, love? <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think he's given the space to really um, get to grips with the character. I just think it's very bland. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, especially towards the end, which we'll get to. But It's very bland and there's no, there's no real context. Well, he's a better villain than um, uh, the, the villain in Lethal Weapon, the Colonel. Oh, he was, he was bland. 
but he's a better villain. But Lethal Weapon 2 is, um, oh, what's his name? Joss, Joss Ackland, the guy that plays the main boss in that. Do you think he's a good villain? He's better. Yeah. I'd say I like Jack Pallets in this. I just think he's got that sort I just, of... I just don't think they've given the character enough depth. It's right. just very... St- oh, God, sorry, my ears just popped. That really hurt. Um, He just plays a very... Oh, I feel really weird now. He plays a very um bland, generic villain, crime boss. And the thing that really got to me was... Another, that wouldn't happen, movie moment, yeah. was... You know when they they got the tanker and they pulled it over and they shot it and the cocaine spilled out. Yeah, he drives past in his limo. Well, he's following. We discussed this. He's following the truck right. to make sure it gets to the there place. There is no way that a crime boss would ever do that. But they don't know he's a crime boss. He's just a guy in a limousine. Oh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you that. It's weird for a limousine to be out in the desert. But the crime but it's boss entirely would predictable never do that. that. They would follow. Because in the limousine, he's got the two other guys and he's got Bree and James in there. Yeah, but the the crime boss, it dep- I suppose it depends how big he is, but he's give, he's given it like I'm a bit large, you know, I'm, I can do things and no one will stop me. Like, like Ray Winston. But there is no way the crime boss would have been in a limousine a few metres back. From Not a few metres back, tanker. it takes ages. They're there for ages. He's obviously following it. But for what purpose? Oh, maybe he left his because cigarettes he in the have glove. men. Maybe he, he left his cigarettes in the glove that. compartment or something, and he's he's trying to flank the truck down, going hello. Uh, yeah, who I knows? Just think it's a bit silly. Anyway, well, if you thought that was silly, then you've got Kurt Russell taking two slugs to a bulletproof vest and still getting up and being able to mm. leap over things and do look. If that does, if this doesn't set up the film and go, I'm just going to be enjoyable nonsense here. Well, that's just it. I just had to stop my little brain saying that would never happen little and brain. just sit back and just enjoy the sort of 80s fest of cheesy, predictable cop kind of movie thing, really. Well, <coughs> pardon me. So, yeah, uh, Terry Hatcher. We're introduced to Terry Hatcher as well. Um, How old would she have been? I don't know. That's a good good question. She probably looks like early 20s, mm. like very early 20s, mm. I would say. Um, Bond would be another 10, when Mr. Tomorrow Never Dies, was 19.9, I think. So, yeah, it'd be another 10 years before she's in the Bond film, which is... She's by that time she's got I think three or four years of Lois and Clark underneath her belt. Um, I like the so you get you get from the the captain when he gets to the station. What Stallone? Why are you doing this? I would just like the action. He's rich. He doesn't need to do the job. So how has he made his money? Where has he made his money from? Stock market. He's always checking the stock market. He's always checking the shares. Mm. Yeah. Well, he's got a. He he invested wisely. You know, it's Indiana Jones. He invested wisely. Um, whereas Kurt Russell looks like seat of the pants. I mean, you can tell that Kurt Russell's based on 
uh, yeah, Martin Riggs is based on mm. Lethal Weapon, mm. but not as good. No. No. But then we discussed this. He's not as crazy as Riggs. No, there's no back. There's no crazy. Even if he was crazy, I don't think we get a backstory. Mm. I don't think this film wants to know about backstory. It doesn't want to give you anything. He just wants to say, look at this moment in time. We're not going to fresh these characters out much. We're just going to just, just drop in. And then at the end of it, just drop out. It's fine. Mm. Whereas Lethal Weapon asks you and says, I mean, Lethal Weapon, both the Lethal Weapons expand on the same story. Yeah. It's, it's like what we said previous though, isn't it? If you watched Lethal Weapon 2, you need to have watched one to understand the depth of character and relationship they have. So yeah, you know, um I don't know. I don't I don't think you really get that in Tango and Cash at all. You don't think that I they are buddies towards the end. They are. But Lethal Weapon did it about sort of a third or half the way through and went, they're in this together now. Yeah, but only because they realised, I still don't think they were over-friendly, were they? You don't really get that sort of proper friendship to, towards the end of the film. What, in this film? No, in Lethal in Weapon. weapon. Oh, I don't know, he invites him in for dinner, so for his wife's awful cooking, but... <laughs> I mean, you don't do that unless you unless you be confident that maybe he didn't like him. <laughs> anyway, the, the the drug lord wants to get rid of him, and he mm-hmm. can't do because he's he, he's going to risk all out war with the police. That's the reasoning. So they've got to set them up. That setup, by the way, was if you didn't know that these are supposed to be two really savvy, you know, drug busts, top of the top of the game, and everything like that, and they didn't know that they, that was a setup. Yeah, it's a bit silly, isn't it? I mean, the guy, I mean, Brian James even turns around and looks at him while he's in the car. He looks at Stallone while he's in the car. And I'm like, did you not just clock that he's seen you? Mm. So this might be a setup. Um, well, they get the uh, Chinese guy back, don't they, into into uh, the, the police station. Mm. And um, I said to you, didn't I? I was like, Hang on a minute, he's in the locker room. Why is he in the locker room that's kind of staff he's in the side? toilet. We went through this. He's in the yeah, toilet. But but even so, surely there'd be toilets for, you know, the criminals and toilets for staff. They would be separate. Uh, yes, I suppose this film is way ahead of its time because it just has toilets for everyone. It's unisex toilets. And it isn't. Well, I don't know. They're all urinals. Unless you want a woman to wee rather weirdly. I was going to position myself kind of on a urinal then. But when, yeah, well, yeah. It's not going to work. The, the interrogation thing, it's just a bit weird. You can see that the chair isn't anywhere near his neck. I mean, you're like, why is he, why is he going? Because it's just not. It doesn't. It doesn't work. But you get the information. You get the setup. You get this. When you were watching this film, and I wrote it down, and this is how much I did remember it. The Stallone, they realise suddenly this police, as I said in the description, the police swarm in mm. and arrest them. And I was, I written down, good lord, the police are a bit quick to presume the uh, presume they're guilty. Mm. I was like, 
that's because it's not the police. It's an FBI. It's an FBI with the police. There are police there, but it's predominantly an FBI. Mm. But meanwhile, the police that are there would have known Tango and Cash and liked them very much and would have gone, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, you never said it was these two. And 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 the lone policeman or police woman, whoever at the back, sticks the hand up and goes, uh, does anyone else think this is a bit fishy? Does anyone else think that this might be a setup? Wouldn't be a film then, though, would it? Well, the reason why I forgot that is because the, the FBI were in on it. Um, as as it appears, everybody was in on this. I mean, this is a conspiracy from you know from a great deal in order to keep this silent. Because then then what happens is you um, uh, you go to court. So shall I uh, shall I go to the next the next uh, synopsis the next bit? Yeah. Does that include like the bits with the the the, the mice? Uh, I don't describe that, but we can go into the mice. That's uh, absolutely fine. We will talk about the mice. Anyway, at their murder trial, the detectives are incriminated by an audio tape secretly given to Wyler by Requin, the ponytail guy, and verified in court by an audio expert, which appears to reveal them shooting the FBI agent after discussion of drug purchase. They plead no contest to a lesser charge in exchange for reduced sentences in a minimum security prison, but are transported to a maximum security prison to be housed with many of the criminals that they arrested in the past. When they're in prison, Tango and Cash are roused from the bunks and tortured by Requin, who manages to get into the prison, and a gang of prisoners until Max Sikowski, the assistant warden, and Cash's former commanding officer rescues them. Sikowski recommends that they escape, provides them with the plan, Tango refuses to go along with it. When Cash tries to escape, he finds Sikowski murdered and is attacked by prisoners. Tango rescues him, the two of them escape. Once outside the prison walls, Tango tells Cash, if he needs to contact him, go to a dance club called Cleopatra's and ask for a woman named Catherine. You can talk about the mice now if you want. <laughs> well, that was in the bit before that. Um, yeah, like the 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 um, crime boss has, weirdly, keeps these mice in a box. In a maze like thing. No, no, it? no. He keeps them in the box. Oh, in the box. Yeah, and takes them out. And then them takes the them out. And says they're mice. They're not mice. They're rats. Well, I, I don't know what the difference is. It's, it's a it's a little thing with teeth that squeaks. You know a rat from a mouse, don't you? Well, yeah. These are big mice. They're not the rats. Well. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I, I just wrote he doesn't know his rats from his mice. Well, and, and, and how, when is that ever going to be said again by you? I don't know. When is that never going to come up again? Do you know? He puts them in this uh, maze in the table, doesn't he? That's got like this clear person. But we'll have to use it now for clueless people. What was Um, the guy like? What was he like? What purpose? What purpose? What? Why is he doing that? Well, because clearly he doesn't know his rats from his mice. And (laughs) he appears with them later on in the film. It works. It works quite well. Um, Yeah, the mice making a bit well. The mice rats make an appearance later in the film. Oh, right. Um, the judge, I, I mean, the judge, the whole the whole court thing is all set up. Right, and obviously it's set up. But nobody stops to really question it. They're taking the audio expert and going, um, 
yeah, we we take your take your testimony absolutely, without thinking. Wait a minute! All of these people are coming up. These are two guys that it would be very convenient for to take off the street. It's not just one of them; it's two of them. Any chance we could look at what the audio expert and you know can we can mm. we interrogate him or something? <laughs> Nobody seems to just seems to accept it. Um, I did like the bit where they both do the speeches, um, especially Kurt Russell, where this court, if I may be thing, this court court procedure. Um, effing sucks. I like that. That that was all right. And all the cops, all the cops are clapping and cheering. Which all, all these cops that had just been in a room arresting them are all sat there clapping and cheering. I'm like going, you know, it's like um, uh, fear from inside out. Pick a plot line, pick a side. You know, pick one, <laughs> but don't clap them at one mm. side and arrest them on the other. Why would anyway, you plead to manslaughter when you know you haven't done it? Because it looks because everything's stacked against them. So why would you not plead minimum security? When you not go to minimum security prison for eighteen months, you'd be out in nine. But they don't go to minimum security. Well, prison. they do, they don't know that. Remember, it was hijacked in the middle. That's why they were taken to the maximum security. Because mm. the police cut to the police and going. You know, god damn it, like where'd they gone? Mm. Yeah, I remember that. We were supposed to arrive. Yeah. Um so we get our lethal weapon comparisons continue. They get they get maximum security prison. The first thing they do is have a shower naked together. Oh god. Um, but you get to see their naked butts. Um like lethal weapon. Maybe the I must like, say Stallone's butt was better than the Well, it should be. I mean he's Rocky Balboa, I mean. Yeah. It was a bit more peachy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that stopped me. It has a bit, a little oh, bit. You're in yeah. your tracks there. <laughs> the thing is, I can understand that that, that the warden and the, the prison the, the warden runs his prison, and it seems pretty lawless that they can do whatever they want, get to wherever they want, see whoever they want. Um, and what I don't get is Sikowski, the assistant warden that Kurt Russell used to know that comes and saves him. Why is he not going? So our latest inmates are, well, there's uh, there's Charlie Hunter. Uh, there's, you know, and all the, rattling off all these names. All oh, right. Okay. And then there's Gabriel Cash. Uh, what? What's he doing here? He shouldn't be here. I used to work with him. Um. You know, it's like it's Gabe from the Chippy, you know, or whatever. And it's just like, why wouldn't he have spotted that as the assistant warden? Does he just not get involved in that sort of thing? Do they divvy up the tasks and one of them is, you know, anyway, it just seemed like when he got Stay rescued. Well, it got it's, it's, it seemed like when, when they were in the interrogation sequence, which is particularly icky, you know, dropping them into the, the electrified they, you know, and it just seemed, but I mean, they have a good fight to, to get to that point. I mean, they're mm. whacking everyone with uh, with poles and stuff. So it's it's quite good. It's nice, satisfying 80s clangs around the head. Um, really good. But Jack Pallance and Brian James are allowed to come and go into this prison. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? They just it, like disappear into the... Disappeared into the night. So when the, when the assistant warden comes to do them, they just disappear in smoke. 
like Batman. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I get that. And then obviously the need is that they need to escape and the assistant warden is going to help them. Now, I don't get that either. It's a bit, a little bit different. The assistant warden should be going, good God, Gabe. And Ray Tango's here with you as well. Tell you what, get you into solitary. We'll figure this out in the morning. I'll put my guards that have just helped me rescue you. I'll put 20 guards on there and we'll get you out of here in the morning. That's what they yeah, should have but, done. But you don't know whether he's actually been paid as well by the bad guys. Which is what Stallone says. Because he doesn't trust him. He, he's got no choice but to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. You, you, so he leads you, them into the trap, basically. I found it a bit weird when they were sort of trying to make the escape because um, Stallone doesn't go for it, does he? But Kurt no, because he does. doesn't trust Kazowski. The first thing I said to you was, hang on a minute. Why is a ventilation tunnel all lit up like a Christmas tree? It's got lights all in it. We know for a damn fact that ventilation tunnels aren't lit from Die Hard. Oh, wait a minute. You're talking about ventilation ducts. Yeah. Yeah, well, ventilation ducts are different from ventilation tunnels. Because the maintenance people have got to... The maintenance people don't get into the duct in order to go and fix it. They fix it from the outside. And if they walk down a tunnel, they need to see where they're going. Yeah, but then they switch the light on. (laughs) You don't think that they'd have the light switched on anyway? 24-7? No. Well, clearly, you don't know prisons then. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they do. Oh, it doesn't work if if somebody's, like, if they're getting a box of matches out and he's going out and keeps burning his finger. I thought that would be uh, a lot better. (laughs) No. Yeah. Or he fashions a lamp. Most people do that, don't they? They they rip, like, a piece of clothing and, like... Where's he going to get all the stuff? Where's he going to get the kerosene from from it? Put it in a a thing and and light it. In a thing? You mean kerosene, which is really hard to get when it's pissing down outside. And you can't get anything. Right, yeah, that sounds perfectly logical. Well, they seem to get anything they want in prison, don't they? Except the except the right prison. <laughs> but but yeah. So the escape, the escape bit. I like the zip line. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. I like the fact that somebody uh <clears throat> somebody gets electrocuted, so that's good. Yeah. That guy with the big chip. <clears throat> yeah. Is that real? Yes, it is. He's not had it like no, in one. No, he was like that. Oh wow! But there's nothing in that he'd be recognisable to you. So, mm, okay. Um, and then, like, because Stallone's obviously having a fight with him on the top of the roof, as you do when you escape in prison, uh, just before the guy gets electrocuted. Um, old, uh, what's his face? Um, Kurt Russell says, uh, what do you stop for? Coffee in a Danish? Obviously. That, that does come up in trivia time, but obviously that's the, the, the Bridget Neil ref- Nielsen reference. And then Stallone replies, I don't like Danish. Very good. Very good. Very good all around. Very good writers. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, yeah. You missed it. All, all you needed for the triple was a Rocky reference. 
which was, oh, you look like you go down the gym and, and hit the bag a lot. So uh, only only losers hit bags. Well, I don't know, something like that. Anyway. So, yeah, right. So they've escaped then. What's the next bit of the film? They've though? escaped and they said, you need to go to a club called Cleopatra's. So the final bit is the detectives then visit the witnesses who framed them in court. Wyler admits to Tango that Wreck was in charge of the setup. Cash discovers that the audio expert made the incriminating tape himself. Cash finds Catherine, who prefers the name Kiki at Cleopatra's. Cash helps Catherine helps Cash escape the nightclub as police move in on him. Later that night, Cash finds that Catherine is Tango's sister. As Tango arrives and finds him in a compromising position, um, Catherine was massaging Cash, but from Tango's point of view, it looked like they were having sex. Um, uh, Tango Cash are met at Catherine's house by the commanding officer, Schroeder, who gives them Requin's address and tells them they have 24 hours because he can't protect them otherwise. They apprehend Requin, trick him into telling him Perrette's name, armed with a high-tech assault vehicle loaned to them by Cash's weapons expert friend, Owen. They drive to the headquarters, crash through the outer fence, destroy a fleet of armed guards, hijack two heavy vehicles, and crash into the main building and kill several guards. So... Yeah. I think you like the weapon. I think you're about to say, I like the character of the weapons expert. It was all right. Did you? I oh, know. I kind of thought you kind of warmed to him. I thought you kind of liked him. Mm. I thought the, the, the bit with the dog was funny. Right. Okay. They've invented a new guard dog for the elderly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was basically a stuffed dog. With with a gun pointing out of its mouth, and then it was supposed to do something, and it didn't. And then a minute later, its head blew up. Face blew off, yeah, and it's like the because something was wrong with the gun that was inside the the mouth of the dog. Um, oh, brilliant! I think you know you got Cash goes to the lab, you know, and gets gets the guns and everything that he needs. You know, Tango goes to see the corrupt cop, the FBI guy, that that the thing blows up. Um we get the let's get to the club bit. So I like the club. It's a place I'd love to go, I think. It's a strip it's a delightfully 80s strip club. It's not a strip club. It is a strip club. It, there was no stripping involved. There were lots of naked breasts in the uh in the changing rooms. In the changing rooms, yeah, but not in the club. Uh, it said strip club in the thing. Well, it didn't look like one because there was nobody actually stripping. All right, okay. Let's put the criteria. It was a... Hi, sweetheart. I've been out. I've had a wonderful night. Provocative dancing. Where did you and the the lads go? Oh, we went to this new club on Broad Street. Oh, what was it? Well, it's kind of like a sort of strip club. You you then Google it and then go, I I, upset some videos. I think it is. Would you be happy with me going to that club? Yeah. Uh, right. Ah, right, okay. So, yes, not a strip. Would you be happy with me going to a strip club? Despite the fact I find them quite bland. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Except the ones in Vegas. The ones in Vegas were brilliant. Anyway, um, then we have the... I don't. Then we have the scene where they have to get Cash. So Cash meets Catherine, his sister. We don't know it's his sister at this point, but she says, I'll help you get out of the club. There are police everywhere. 
Hmm. So he dresses up as a woman, as Catherine's girlfriend. Now, that won't hold up today because somebody will go, I uh, can't do that. Or can you? Because I think it's Ant- funny. Anton Deck did on Saturday night primetime telly. True, but they got blasted for it. Did they? Yes. Oh, you see, so you need to be you need to be more sensitive to the community. So yeah. Despite the fact you can't please anybody these days, can you? <laughs> I'm sure you can't. there's, there's a Monty think... Python line in that. Well there's you no know, pleasing some people. You know, men have dressed up as women for years and years and years. Yes. RuPaul does it for a living. You you what no, I mean, even way back before then, like in Shakespeare's time, men played women's roles. That's et cetera, right. Et cetera. So, you know, there's this this whole sort of culture of men playing women. But I think with, with we're going to go down a rabbit hole here. No. Um, and I don't want to, but the, well, no, it's good to the, over, the over-exaggerated aspects of drag queens... I actually don't find offensive and it's it's quite interesting when you when you see like you know proper real interviews not like the sensationalized interviews with people that want to be um like interviews around people who use the art form of drag it is an art to to actually um, expose another side of their character or to feel comfortable with themselves or to, you know, overcome something or whatever, you know. I have no qualms with that whatsoever. Yeah. And I actually don't find Kurt Russell dressing as a woman offensive either. I actually uh, thought it was a bit funny because he looked very manly. Still, delightfully you know, 80s. He was dressed as a woman. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what we should, that's what should be saying. It was delightfully 80s. Mm. It was. So, you know. Look, uh, you've got people looking. You're pe- it's a good point that you made because you're right. It is an art. It is an art. It is an art. However, you've got people looking at friends now going, oh, Kathleen Turner playing Chandler's dad. We have a real problem with this. A real problem. And I'm like going, we, we watch. Fr- She's a woman with a very deep voice. I don't, I don't see a lot of these things that are now classified as problems because I just saw the person. And if the person made me laugh or made me cry, depending on what film I'm watching, if the, I didn't matter, black, white, you know, person of color, it doesn't, if they are, draw me in and their performance and everything is that good, I don't care. Equally, I don't care that Kathleen Turner plays Chandler's dad and friends. Mm. Uh, because it made me laugh at the time and it's a funny gag mm. and Kathleen Turner is not exactly what you would call you know just out for play, playing it for playing it for laughs I mean I saw I don't know if I should should mention but I saw a 70s comic today which popped up on my YouTube channel because obviously I'd watched something to do with comedy and somebody said if you like that you like well I'll say mm. it if you like that you like Bernard Manning oh, I know and Bernard Manning was put on and I found myself transported just just for five minutes, transported back to a time when the art of a good gag 
he 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 could do that. The trouble is his material was, you know, 50-50. But when it wasn't being, you know, I don't think he saw himself, I think he's never saw himself as racist. I think it really upset him that he got that because I remember in the 90s they tried to reinvent him and try to, you know, say well, this is just a funny guy. He? he had a yeah, documentary that's right. about him. But then I look back on that and I went, that's great. If you go back and watch Dave Allen, Dave Allen will say things that you don't think are good. He is still a master art. He's a master. Anyway, we're getting off the point, but we do, I think you have to take it into context of the time that it was created. Absolutely. And, and the, 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 you know, the, I suppose the, the, oh, I can't quite find the word, the, the, the time that it was done, basically. Yeah, you've got to be the context of what, what was going on around. Mm. Wonderfully 70s and delightfully 80s. There you go. Um, and, and confused 90s. <laughs> well, 90s was all right. God, if you look at the, would, you, would you rather live in this time or the 90s? How about the 90s in a heartbeat? And I'd go and live in the 80s I know, if I there possibly was a, could. There was a big recession at the start of the 90s. Yeah, that's fine. I'll do it. Oh, if we can take the money we've got now and go back in the 90s, we'll be fine. We'll be able to afford a, a maisonette in London or something. Um, but yeah, you've got the, what I thought was a bit dead is that they escape to, they go back to Catherine's house, which is Tango's house. That's where his sister lives with him. Probably a really good idea if you're on the run and you just escaped from prison, not to go back to your house. It's not, no, he doesn't live there. He does. Because no, he, he goes, because he goes, this is my house. Uh, uh, yeah, and but she goes, yes, I but I still live. I, I still pay rent. I don't think he lives there. Yes, he I did. think she rents it from him. Oh, I thought he lives there. No, I think it's his house because obviously he's got more money. So maybe he's got another property. Okay, I'll rephrase that. Don't go to any of your relatives' houses. Don't go to any houses that you own. Probably a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they have it. How to play hide and seek. Stage one. Um, they they get to Requin, the very bad Cockney guy, um, and manage to convince him. I mean, he's saying stuff on there, like, you know, oh, bollocks, you know, yeah, and all this sort of stuff. And you kind of like, you've just read a, you've just, you've just read a, a, a list of English words that, that we say, and they're just rattling them off. You've no context about it. They're not delivered pretty well. If you want to see properly delivered swear words from somebody that is English, but also knows exactly how to do it, it's Ben Kingsley and Sexy Beast. My goodness. If you thought that you'd seen swearing, if you thought that you'd seen De Niro, you ain't seen nothing yet. That man says the C word better than anybody else on the planet. Oh, I don't know. There's um. No, oh, there's no contest. But let's let's play for second. Some of Guy Ritchie's films. Oh, d- d- don't get me wrong. That you know that you've got Bullet Tooth Tony. You've got Vinnie Jones in there. You've got mm. yeah, absolutely. You've got Brick Top. Um, who who's this? Put a put a leash on in Turkish. You know, I mean, he's brilliant. Who's the guy that was in, um, oh, God, here we go again. Jason uh, Statham. No, 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 no. Um, 
the older guy that ends up in that um, Netflix series with the guy from Sopranos in it that wasn't actually commissioned from Lily Hammer. Lily Hammer. Yeah. The the guy, the the, the UK, the Dennis Penis, the guy that played Dennis Penis. No. The Lamborghini. No. Okay. No. Um, I thought there was an older guy, the older guy out of. Oh God, Lockstock. Right. Okay, well, was it Lockstock or was it the other? What was the other guy Richie film? <laughs> oh, the boxer one. Snatch. That's box, it. The boxer one. Snatch. Right. One with Brad Pitt. Right. That was bit, bit mental. That was, wasn't it? That was very. That was definitely. I should watch um, that again. That's a funny film. Yeah. Anyway, you know who I mean, though the older guy with the glasses. I don't know. Oh, I've got to find him now. Right. Okay. Well, while you do that, I'll finish off the last uh, synopsis on, while you look for it. Um, uh, and we can still talk about the assault on the on the uh, compound. Oh, good lord! Uh, right, okay. What on earth? Right, wait a minute. I haven't done the press. I haven't done the the, the last bit yet. Weaponized vehicle. Fine, we'll get to it. Anyway, the crash in the mill building that killed several guards. At this point, Perret, who's kidnapped Catherine. Starts a timer that will trigger the building's automatic self-destruct procedure. After killing Perrette's core security personnel, Tango and Cash are confronted by Requin, who's holding Catherine at knife point, but throws her aside to fight the detectives hand-to-hand with the help of another henchman. The detectives defeat the two henchmen. When Perrette appears holding a gun to Catherine's head, they kill him and leave with Catherine just before the building explodes. Afterwards, they joke half-seriously about Cash's desire to date Catherine, the film ends with a newspaper headline celebrating their vindication. You didn't like the. Uh, you didn't like the. The. Have, have you done your research, by the way? Do you know who the old I guy have, is? Have yes. His name's Alan Ford, and he did play Bricktop. Right. But I'd mentioned Bricktop. I know, but I couldn't remember his character's name. So I was right. Like, okay. Bricktop. Yeah. I even gave you a line that he said. I thought that would have given it away, but. <laughs> I hardly recommend, by the way, if you do watch that, then watch the Ben Kingsley. Just put Ben Kingsley, Sexy Beast swearing if you don't want to watch the whole film. I do recommend the whole Sexy film. Sexy Beast? Is that the one with... With um, Ray Winston. Ray Winston, yeah. 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 Oh. Pretty, pretty oh, good. Oh, God. Just, just Ben Kingsley is just... is mm-hmm. is menacing. He's is, is everything. Um, but, yeah, anyway. It's quite funny because he normally plays posh blokes doesn't he Banking. well he played gay he won the oscar for gandhi so yeah yeah well yeah. not that gandhi's a posh bloke but I, I think he was well i don't know he was very well educated i believe i don't know mm. um this back and forth about dating dating catherine mm. did you bump uglies with my sister I mean, I mean, crikey. I even wrote wanna... that down. I was like, oh, that's... Uh, that is an uh, 80s line right there. Uh, right there. just wrong. Yes, I agree. Uh, um, uh. The, the thing on the compound, here's where I have the problem with Jack Pallets. I liked him up until this point, but he's watching the, this armoured vehicle that they borrowed from Michael J. Pollard. Oh, it's um, awful. And, you know... It, it does the job up to a point until it gets squished and then it's useless uh, I don't anymore. think it does any job. All it does is go through a brick wall to get into the compound. Well, that's pretty much how you, what you'd want, isn't it? No? Well, 
wouldn't right. wouldn't a normal you know four by four truck do that? Not really. Not well, that's, brick what it, wall. that's what it was. It just had bits of that added to it. Yeah, it had armor plating on it. They even say this thing could go through a brick wall. Oh, that'll come in handy. Um. Uh, yeah, Jack Palance is looking at all of this happening on a monitor, and he's scowling and going, "Oh, ah, oh," and making all these faces. And you're kind of like, "You're a crime boss, just, just." No. And the funny thing was, did you notice that there was lots of like different camera angles that were coming out on the telly? And you're like, yeah. "Hang on a minute, this is where the eighties." Ca- where those cameras? Yeah. That's high definition camera work going and on there. It's moving alongside. And it's it. moving and following. It's like yeah. that wouldn't happen. You'd have some grainy CCTV that's just like really blurry. Yeah. It's in the dark. That would so get knocked over. Knocked over by the anyway. first. Yeah. I know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that, that didn't hold true. And then like when he when he would switch it off, it just went like that on the remote. And you're like, that would never happen. Yeah. That would never, it wouldn't switch all the televisions off. And we get the line, where did you, you have to have you... like 16 remotes, wouldn't it? Yes. To switch <laughs> all the tellies off. <laughs> Something like that. Or you just get one of those like all-in-one things you get the back of the Daily Mail, put them all in there. Oh, my God. And they just press it. We also get the line, where did you learn to drive? Stevie Wonder. Yeah, but then you've got, then you've got the line in Die Hard. So you can't criticise one, not the other. Who's driving this? Who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Fair play in uh, nineteen eighty-eight and eighty-nine. Gets a gets a couple of name checks. <laughs> um, and it's not his fault uh, for being blind. But then uh, the thing blows up. Can I ask you at what point did they actually get his sister? Because she's basically been mean? kidnapped. When did they get her? Uh, while well, they somewhere in between, ah, bloody hell, this thing's a dud. Um, with the grenade in between that, some other time, but she just I don't know, they must have eaten the, at some point. I mean, she appears in the compound, I know, but why did, they might they might have gone for a burger or something. It's not like a roving drone camera that's following them around and going, Oh, wait a minute. That they've just popped into, they might have gone to the loo. And the, why have I got this thing or a drone camera following around? There's not. It's just accounting for it. It wouldn't go into the loo. Shall we go to trivia time? Because I think I think we've done the film. I think we've discussed and we've been down other little tiny places I never thought we'd go to. But anyway, um, yeah, on, I'm then. right with six. I'm right with six. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I could watch this again, and and unfortunately, I did watch this because I knew a lot of the lines that were coming up. I so just I do, thought I, I the end was it. a real anticlimax because it was very predictable. The last twenty minutes, do you, do you remember? I said, "Oh, could you just stop the film because I just need to get up and move about a bit." Well, that's a dead giveaway right there. That, oh God, you I was just got, a cup of tea. I got bored. I wanted a drink. Before we get to trivia time, you get to pick the next film. And I think we need to do one. I've had a chat because I know we're going to get some um, regulars that, that, that stand in. And I know we're going to do one with Don. We're going to do the Long Good, um, the Long Good Friday. 
Mm-hmm. You know, with Joe, we're going to um, I'm schedule that one as well. We're going to do Bond, License to Kill. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do Bond film. Is that uh, Cops and Robbers thing? Yeah, well, spies, spies are cops sort of mm, keeping no. the world safe. Not. I well, don't know it, how you can squeeze that it still one still has in. a badge. I mean... It's not a cop, though. Well, it's kind of like one. No, he isn't. You can't put a Bond film in Cops and Robbers. Uh, I don't believe Frank Drebin... Oh, Frank Drebin was it. Yeah, Lieutenant Frank Drebin, police squad. Yeah, well... All right, okay, we're stretching it thin. Hmm. Right. We needed an 80s Bond film, and, and we both agree that Timothy Dalton is a great... is a fantastic Bond, so we did that one. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, right. Should I, we get to trivia time? I'm disallowing. I don't think it falls into the category. Cops and well, uh, let's let's put it to the vote. All those in favour say aye. Aye. Ayes have it. No. Oh. Yeah. Well, no. you can't veto me and I can't veto you. Uh, okay. Uh, I'd like the rest of the season to be dance movies, starting next, next time with Staying Alive, starring John Travolta, the oh, sequel to Saturday Night move. Fever. Don't do um. What was the one we watched the other day? Flash dance. Flash dance. Oh, yeah, it doesn't hold up. We will. I don't want to get. I don't want to watch flash dance again. No. I want to watch that. I like the final bit. I think that's really good. And the bit where the water comes down in it. Yeah, I like that. But do you? Yes, I do. Anyway, on, on that note, should we go into trivia time? Let's do. Yay! Here we go. Trivia time. Trivia time. So. This might explain some of this. There's not a lot, but I will I will get through them. When Brian James was originally hired to play Requit, guy with the ponytail, bad accent, hmm. it was a very small role with only two lines. In an effort to give the character something that would make him stand out, he decided to speak in a horrible Cockney accent. It even it even has it in inverted commas in the trivia. Sylvester Stallone loved it and rewrote the script to give him a much bigger role. The same thing happened with Face, the guy with the big jaw, mm-hmm. uh, played by Robert Zadar, Z-apostrophe-D-A-R, who was originally not meant to appear after the opening scene. But Sylvester Sloan, the director, took a liking to him and thought his appearance was so striking he deserved a bigger role in the film. Well, Sylvester Stallone, because, I mean, he tries a, an English accent at some point. Yeah, well, who's the, who's the governor? He says at one point, you're like, oh, God, stop it. Oh, we won't do your accents. In fact, we'll send over Daniel Day-Lewis. He can do all of your accents. You've got nobody that can send over the other way that can do ours. Is that and, there will be blood? Don't get Rennie Zellweger and Bridget Jones, because I'm not sure that's good. I'm not sure that's a good English accent. It's all right. It's not great. Um, anyway, the director, Andre Konchavlowski. Easy for you to say. Well, if you look at his directorial films, it's like Art House, Art House, Art House, Tango and Cash. It's like, <laughs> where did that come from? Did he get a bit bored or was he strapped for cash or something? No, or? he's replaced at the end by Ab- Albert Magnoli. Again. You don't know what he did. He's art house. 
So this art house director. In his book of memoirs, Kuchowski says that the reason he was fired because he wanted to give the film a more serious tone than the producers wanted. And as such, his relationship with the producer, John Peters, it is the 80s, it's Peters, became untenable. However, the director has nothing praised for Sylvester Stallone, who states he's a constant voice of reason on the set, apart from choosing dodgy actors with dodgy accents. Well, actually, no, he's probably a very good actor, but with a dodgy accent. Anyway, ready for this. Who was originally cast as Cash, but dropped out to star in a 1989 film that we covered? Not Lethal Weapon. It's not Mel Gibson. I'll give you a clue. Undulated walls. No, Patrick Swayze. Yep. Yes. I had to verify this one. And yes, he was. Um, but he he dropped out. So he signed. And the principal, their problem starting this film and finishing it, principal photography began without a completed script. Sophisa Sloan had the original director of photography, Barry Sonnenfeld, who's very famous, fired. Then John Peters fired the director. The film went $20 million over budget. Oh. And then had to be completely re-edited by a guy called Stuart Baird prior to release. Now, let's play fantasy. Should it, would it have worked? It would have worked with Patrick Swayze just as well. I think it works well if you've got the character of Gabriel Cash. Would he have? Or would he have been a bit more wooden? Patrick Swayze is quite wooden. I don't don't think he'd have given the comedy element to it. I don't know. Parts of Roadhouse are pretty funny. Not supposed to be, though. (laughs) Not not intentional, (laughs) though, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think. No. no. So, no. so we agree that Kurt, we needed a bit of Kurt Russell's. Wackiness. Je ne sais quoi. Yes, as, or as the French would say, I don't know what. Yeah. Um, uh, Jack Palance uh, jokingly showed his displeasure about filming the movie while on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno in 1992. He said, when he first got the script, he was really excited about doing the movie since he had three nice scenes good scenes with Sylvester Stallone. But as soon as the filming started, all his scenes with Stallone were cut. Oh. And he didn't even see Stallone throughout the entire movie until the end. And you're like, so they must have filmed the torture scene and that at the, not not in order. I mean, they don't really film stuff in order anyway, but yeah. I wonder if that's why... It was a bit flat then, and the character didn't really have a lot of depth because they cut a lot of the scenes. Could be. I'm not. Can't say I'm dying to see the director's cut of Tango and Cash, but which director? Well, yes, which one? Um, this was one of the first American movies to get a wide release in Soviet bloc countries after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Bootleg VHS tapes became hot sellers in Russia, and Brian James once claimed he never felt more more like a celebrity than when he was swarmed by crowds of people in the Ukraine who recognised him as one of the movie's villains. That must be really cool. You're, out, you're in your own country, and everyone goes, oh, it's Leon from 
uh, it's Leon from Blade Runner. And then he goes overseas and everyone goes, ha the ponytail guy, yeah, says, says bollocks a lot. You know, and you're like, don't, don't encourage him, right? It's just not a good idea. Anyway, um, sci-fi bit. The sound effect for used for Tango and Cash's truck in the quarry is the same as Luke Skywalker's land speeder in Star Wars. I don't yeah. think that's true. It sounds it. It's like Bob Holness played saxophone. David Bowie invented Connect Four, yeah. Yeah, didn't um, happen. That's true. Neither of those happened. Um, so even though this film movie was written and filmed as a relatively normal R-rated action film, Warner Brothers were very concerned about the graphic violence due to their many battles with the MPAA, so the, their equivalent of the BBFC that we have over here, uh, over Cobra in 1986 with Sylvester Stallone's most recent film with the studio, um, Crime is the Disease and I'm the Cure. As a result, the final cut was careful to reduce the impact of any death scenes so that they would not have to give reason to give an X rating. When the board screened the film, it immediately got an R rating. So they were trying to... I don't know what's above R. I think it's NC-17. Or maybe it would at that time, it would have been X. Remember when we had X? X films, X rated films. Wasn't that... Uh, like some of the horror movies, yeah. So you had Chainsaw like, yeah. Massacre, that was an X, wasn't it? Well, see, Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't wasn't shown in cinemas, it went straight to video. So, it's where oh. we get the video nasty from. Evil Dead never went to the cinemas, really. Yeah, surprising. I don't, I don't believe so, anyway. What was I, the I mean, I didn't know. rated movie then on, on in the cinema. That's a good one. I have to tell you what, tune in next time, listeners, and we will answer that very question for you. Um, While Cash is fighting Mr. Potato Head in the climactic battle, one of the villains who has a protracted fight with Tango and then gets knocked out is an uncredited and early career Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now, the reason I say this it's because that's quite clearly horse manure, he says, right? Because 1989 is is Van Damme's time. We are in kickboxer. We are blood sport. He's done no retreat, no surrender in Black Eagle. He started his career. He's on it. In 1989, he released Cyborg. So this guy's at the top of his game. And you're trying to tell me that one of the villains is Jean, one of the people that the extras is Jean-Claude Van Damme rubbish. So I do try and check all of this stuff and I will call out fake news when I see it. Yeah. Um, anyway. So yeah, that's trivia time. What have you found out looking on your little. Uh, well, it's a bit of a, bit of a clash of. Uh, clash of the Titans. The Yellow Balloon was the first British film to be passed with an X certificate. Okay. Because it was too yellow? I don't know. What? I don't know. Oh, that's actually a, a... 
No, it's not. Uh, I tell you, that, that film really does, you know, take itself too seriously. It's got a big head. Um, it, it, it inflates itself far beyond its means. Oh, thank you. The Yellow Balloon. Okay, have you seen it? No, but I mean, oh. it inflates the gag. Oh! Jesus. Uh. Right, okay. Well, all two of you that are listening that got that, and the rest of you that followed like Amanda and going, oh, Charles is trying to be funny. I am funny. Thank you very much. I am, do have my... Oh, so it replaced, it replaced the H rating, which was horrific content. Right. Oh, God, horrific content. It'd be Prancer. It should have got a H. Just horrific. Just just don't. don't. I don't or the know. new Batman. Actually, no, I was about to say the new Batman film. And no, that's, I shouldn't say that. Even though if you are listening to this and you're umming and ahhing about going to see the Batman film, don't There's bother. Some- some really early movies. I don't know. I think we're going to have to research it a bit, bit greater. I think Caligula is on there, definitely. That's a, uh, that's definitely an X. Maybe, maybe. They're like like late late fifties films. And oh so, right, okay. So. Well, then not Caligula. Right. Anyway, so let's draw this to a close. To for uh, you get to pick the next film. Oh, I'm not doing that now. I have no idea. What no, it. no. But you get to pick it, so that if it if it if it hits us not flat, I mean, as Tango and Cash, then I can blame you. That's great. Excellent. Right. Anyway, write to us, lovely listeners. I shall consult my list. Viewers, however you are, spread the word. Like us on, like us on Facebook. Uh, like us on YouTube. Uh, give a like to the videos if you watch them, please. Ah, oh, we'd love that. Um, oh and, right, hang on. Suggestions, oh. right? Black Rain. Oh, God. Right, okay. Um, co- Got to do cops and robbers, haven't we? Well, or, or spies. Yeah. Uh, go on. Black Rain is that yeah. a cop, cop film? It is. Okay. Black Andy Rain. Garcia, Michael Douglas. Uh, Witness. <laughs> no. Please let's not do Witness. Okay. This is what we we I researched. Oh, no, and I I, I and then Missis- I looked at the Mississippi Burning. Uh, yeah. We could do that. We'd, we'd Thank, have to skirt around. Cash, we've done Long Good Friday. We will be doing. Yeah. Robocop. Ooh. Then there's Police Academy, Naked Gun. Yeah. The, well, I've done the naked, Deadpool. Done Naked Gun. Yeah. I like the. Did we agree that the Deadpool was the best out of the 80s Dirty Harry films? Yes. Then let's do that. And then oh, the, the Rookie. Oh, that was my suggestion. That's got me all over it. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have a look then anyway. So it, it might be one of those. All right. All right. I think there were other suggestions. I mean, I'm going to do Police Academy with Don. Um, yeah, I've got that written down. Yeah. Yeah. You've done Naked Gun, haven't you? We have indeed. There you go. What a film. We've done Tango and Cash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Cool. Might, be so, Ro- might be Robocop, maybe. Robocop or maybe. Deadpool. Maybe. Who knows? Right. Okay. Right. Well, we're off then. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank cheers, you. guys. Yeah. Nice one. So cheerio then. Doodle pip. Bye. <laughs>